Well, if you turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 8, we're really looking at uh, verse 12. So John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's one of those verses that uh, is a whole sermon in itself. Um, To be able to speak on the whole passage would be probably far too difficult for one sermon. But in that one verse, there's so much. And I found that looking for the themes of light in the Bible, they come in short sections Whereas other themes in the Bible, they take place over several passages in the Gospels or in the Old Testament. But light is a theme that keeps coming up. But it's it's, it's sporadic. It's separated out in just a few scriptures here and there. But it's something that's very key um, to our understanding of of Christ and of our faith. Um, A few years ago, I went with Jane to look at an art, art exhibition in Norfolk near Sandringham and it was an exhibition of light and uh, quite surprisingly I quite enjoyed it (laughs) I'm more cultured than I think and um, one of the exhibitions was a within a tower and you queued forever to get in about 45 minutes and then you were directed along the passageway uh, into a what I thought was a large room but it was completely in darkness. So how you go in is you had to feel along the side of the wall um, <clears throat> to find your way. And then you get a sense that there are people in there and you put out your hands and you can feel people. And there, there are people in their coats, other um, people going around the exhibition just sat on, on a bench. But you couldn't see this. You could just you know, sense it and touch it. So um, we shuffled off to... You know, holding onto the wall and people's hair and everything, and sat down on the end of the bench and just sat there in this dark room. And it was a bit like modern philosophy, really. It wasn't very interesting or enlightening. Um, but as time went on, your, your eyes became adjusted to the darkness and you began to see things. Um, and it wasn't absolute darkness like down the bottom of a mine shaft. Um, as time went on, say about 20 minutes, it began to pick up a faint glow and a pink light that was coming from the far end of the room. And as this happened, you began to see the people around you sat on the bench and see the walls and everything. And yeah, after 20 minutes, you saw that the light was coming from a source over a little wall at the back of the room. And in fact, I was absolutely able to to go and walk around the room because I could see this faint light. You know, my eyes had adjusted to it and um, felt rather clever walking around because the people coming in couldn't see a thing and were doing this like I had when I first went in. Um, But I could, after 20 minutes or so, I could really see things as they were. I had no idea before I went in and when I first sat down. But as the light dawned, I could really see uh, things as they are. And really the main idea today is that Jesus is the only light of life. We're in darkness uh, without Christ. But as we look to Christ, then things appear as they are. Christ is the light of the world. 
And he is the only light as things are, and we see things as they're meant to be seen when we have Christ as the light of our life. So my first point is that God is the source of light. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, looking at God being the source of light, Genesis tells us in the beginning that God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. So God created light on day one, according to Genesis. And and only on day four, he created the source of light to govern the day. You know, the sun and the moon to govern the the night. And if we believe in a six-day creation and that it's sequential, not all people do, then, but I do, and then we believe that God created light before he created the sun and the moon and the stars. And therefore, God himself is the, the source of light. Going on in, in the Old Testament, as we start to pick out themes of light, then Isaiah 60 says that the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light. So in the beginning, God is the source of light, God himself, and then Isaiah comes and predicts a time when again that the Lord will be your everlasting light, and it won't be the moon or the sun giving light in heaven, it'll be the Lord. And Revelation 21 confirms it. It says, The heavenly city has no need for the sun and moon, for the glory of God gives it its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So it confirms that God is the source of light, not the sun or the moon. God was the only source of light in the beginning, uh, and will be the only source of light again in heaven. And these passages are talking about physical light, But most passages in the Bible talk about the coming of spiritual light, culminating in the incarnation of Jesus as the light of the world. In the Old Testament, the glory of God was the bright light that surrounded the the presence of God. And the light of God led the people of Israel out of Egypt in the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. Exodus 13 says... The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. That really stood out to me because it's the Lord himself was in the cloud and in the pillar of fire. It was the Lord himself who was the light. He didn't just create a cloud and some fire and give it to the Israelites as light, which he could have done. But he himself was in the cloud and the pillar of fire as he led them uh, into the wilderness, out of Egypt. Later, the glory of God filled the tabernacle under Moses, a bit later on in Exodus. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Later on, the light of the glory of God filled the temple during Solomon's reign. It went right into the temple and filled it, in one kings. But as time goes on, 
and the people descended into darkness, then the glory of God departed from the temple in the time of Ezekiel. It was because of their sin and their rebellion against God that the light, God's, the light and the glory of God departed from them. And this, so this period between when the light of God went from the temple, it departed, till the time of Christ was a period of darkness. And this is why Isaiah 9 uh, talks about the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Uh, we looked at that verse last year. Um, but this, in a way, explains why it was a period of darkness. Um, that those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a land of light has shone. Because they hadn't had the light of God. It had departed from them. The, you know, the, the glory, the physical glory of God had gone from Israel because of their sin and their own darkness. Isaiah goes on to say, Isaiah 9, For to us a child is born, to us a child is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is looking forward to Christ. So that the light dawning and the great light that is shining in darkness is a prophecy of Christ. Uh, a prophecy for the coming of Christ. So in Isaiah, he's looked forward to as the light of the world. But quite a long period of time passes until the incarnation, many hundreds of years, in fact. Uh, well, one man, Simeon, had waited all his life to see the promised light of the world. The Holy Spirit had told him that he wouldn't see death until he saw for himself the light of the world. It's a messianic prophecy that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah himself with his own eyes. Matthew says that when they took Jesus into the temple when he was a baby, he took the baby Jesus up in his arms and blessed God, saying, My eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Can you imagine his joy? He's, God tells him that he's going to see the Messiah and he waits until he's presumably quite old as Anna the prophetess was old. Imagine the joy when they saw the Messiah, this little baby. God tells him that this is the Messiah and he's able to see the light of the world constrained into a, a, a tiny baby. But baby or no baby, this is the Messiah. This is God's son. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. So there was a great period of darkness when the light and the glory of God had departed from Israel. But in fulfillment of prophecy and with great joy, the light dawns, the light breaks and comes in on the people of Israel and, and to us as Christ comes into the world. Well, Jesus, as the light of the world, you know, it means that there's no other light. They look forward to this light of the world. Simeon and Anna, they weren't looking forward to anything else. They were looking forward to this light. There was no other gods, no other religions, no nothing else. Jesus, 
was the light to the Gentiles and the glory to the people of Israel that they were waiting for. Nothing else and no one else. So Jesus is the light of the world means that he is the only light of the world. There's no other light coming. It's him. And as we've prayed, let God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he has shone in our hearts. Uh, Anna and Simeon saw him, yet we see him through the eyes of faith in our hearts. And there is no other light coming. He is the light of life. He is the only light. So the whole world needs Jesus as their light. And in fact, the whole world was made for this light. Not the light of false idols and celebrity and their latest thinking or ideology. But the light is Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world, is God. He says, I am. And it's one of the many I ams uh, in, in the book of John. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. There are many, trans, uh, many statements, I am, in the Greek of the New Testament. And it translates directly into the name in Hebrew of Yahweh, God. It adds weight to the statement Jesus is not an ideology and he is not uh, the latest thinking uh, or not even an idol. He is the living God. I am the light of the world. I am God and I am its only light, says Jesus. I am the only light of the world. My second point is walking in darkness. Walking in darkness. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, light in the Bible is a symbol of God's presence and his righteous activity. You could define light as being the presence of God. Uh, In the Psalms say the Lord wraps himself in light as a garment. And we've heard already that his presence is in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud that filled the temple and filled the tabernacle so light symbolizes the presence and it is the presence of God it's also the truth of God psalm says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path light is about um, truth about seeing seeing the truth it's also God's righteous activity And light is the goodness and holiness of God. 1 John says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So light is his presence, his truth, his righteous activity and his goodness and holiness. In fact, he's burning in purity and holiness as a manifest expression of his light and his, his character. Well, therefore, darkness is the opposite of this. Darkness, if it's not the presence of God, it's separation from God. Darkness, um, if light is the truth, then darkness is the rejection of truth with a corrupt mind, one that doesn't want to acknowledge God. And God's, the opposite of God's righteous activity is spiritual Ignorance and evil deeds done in rebellion to God. The opposite of holiness and goodness is evil. This is darkness. 
The frightening thing is the Bible says that people live in darkness willfully because they love the darkness. You know, they love it. And they, they don't want to come into the light because it exposes their wickedness. John 3 goes on to say, after the famous, for God so loved the world verse, this is judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works be exposed. That's why people are persecuted for their faith because people hate having their deeds exposed. Um, People are you get persecuted. I'm sure all of us have experienced it to some degree, that when you stand up for God, when you um, stand up for what's good and what's right, then people hate it in your life. Um, and Luckily, in our, in our country, by God's grace, that we're not killed for our faith, but in other countries, people are killed for their faith. When they're you know, ministers in South America, when they're... Um, stand up for their morals in, in society because all of society is corrupt and they stand as the only lights. Often they testify against the criminal gangs in South America that are so powerful, you know, the drug gangs. And, um, and they pay the price for it. They're killed for it. They're the only ones in the community that stand up to the, the evil that's being done and they pay the price for it. People hate it when their evil deeds are exposed Um, Back home, there was a Christian doctor in the news recently who was offering to pray for patients and actually talk to them when he had the chance to talk about his faith. You know, what could be more harmless than that, really? But he was um, hauled before a medical tribunal, but there was no evidence really against him, and, and it was dismissed merely for sharing his faith But in the darkness, you know, there are clinics in our society that offer advice to kids as young as 12 about changing their sex, about having physical operations to change their sex because they're unhappy about their agenda. Uh, They're not persecuted, but this is darkness. You know, darkness that hates light and is, is perverse enough to allow that but to persecute those who just want to pray for a patient with their permission, who just want to share some good news with them. What's more harmless than that? But the world is perverse and upside down, and this is darkness. People hate the the light because it exposes their evil deeds for what they are, as godless and rebellious and evil. And darkness happens when people exchange his light, the truth of God, for their own corrupt thoughts. Um, we were talking uh, before about darkness in Israel's day when, you know, God left. He left and departed from the temple because of the people's sin. You know, Israel rebelled time and time and time against uh, God. And in the end, he uh, punished them for it. But you know, in our day, Timothy says, understand this, in the last days there will be times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. And it just goes on and on and on. 
We are in those last days. And we've looked at in society at the darkness um, that's going on abroad where people are killed and here with such perversity. But what about in our own hearts? You know, as Christians, do we allow that darkness to come back in? Do we indulge the darkness of the world? Or do our lives reflect the truth of God and the light? You know, we are to be lights of the world. We are to shine our lights brightly and not to hide them. We're not to... You know, to fit in with other people, to dip, dip our toe into darkness again and to do things that other people do. We're to shine brightly for Christ and for him and not to take on the world's values. So as Christians, we can slide back into darkness, but we are children of the light. And Jesus is the light of the world. He is our, our Lord and Master. We're to do what he commands, to stay away from darkness Well, ultimately, darkness results in God's judgment and separation from God. When God judged the Israelites in Isaiah's day, he brought the Assyrians in to carry them off. And he was, um, he judged them through the Assyrians. And they were never again a, a nation. They were separated from the life of God, which was based in the temple at Jerusalem. And they were never again to enter into that life of God. And again, that, that, that separation that Israel suffered is a picture of our separation. Living in the light is not a lifestyle choice. It's to escape the darkness of judgment and separation from God because that's what awaits us when, when we spend time in darkness. Why would we go back into the perversity of the world and its corruption and its rebellion and its ridiculousness when we've had the light of Christ shining in our lives. Why do we do it? Well, I just urge you this morning to, and I urge myself, you know, why, why sometimes do I turn my back on the light? I don't know why I would, but we're to um, put ourselves under the lordship of Christ and to walk in light, not in darkness, because only in Christ is the light of life. And my third and last point is then the light of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this is a great verse because you see Christ for who he is. It says that following Jesus is more than just um, tagging along behind him. It's more than just a, a lifestyle choice. But it it means following him for who he is and for everything that we are and being so taken with him that you are joined to him. We follow him. Follow him doesn't just mean like walking down a path. To follow Christ as the light of life is to to, to have you know, everything, of, to love him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength, to have every part of our being following him and not leaving anything behind, not reserving any part of our lives for darkness that we think perhaps people won't see, any attitude, any hidden motive, any habit that we have that we think, ah, no one knows, but we're to follow him wholeheartedly because he is the light of life. You know, when we follow him... We have light, and we'll know God. 
This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. He is eternal life. The one whom we're to follow is life itself. John 1, 4 says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Eternal life comes from having the light of God. We're in eternal life now. We're not in heaven, but we know we know God, so we have eternal life now, and that is following the light of Christ. We're dead. We were blind to the light until Jesus imparted to us His life. You know, I can't believe what it was like as a Christian. You know, uh, sorry, before I was a Christian, I was so selfish, and uh, still am a bit. I would imagine. Um, But I didn't know that I was selfish. I didn't know that I was greedy and lustful and all those other things until the light of God came into my life. I was blind to the light and I was dead inside. But the eyes of my heart were opened like all of us who share that testimony. You know, God's light came in and he gave us life. And we can't imagine life now without the light of God. I just wouldn't want to imagine what life would be like just not knowing the truth and only having my sinful desires as my aims, as my ambitions in life, not, not to glorify God and live for him and be happy in him. I couldn't imagine not having God when I'm going through hard times and having his light to uh, you know, show me his goodness. So we can rejoice with Simeon each one of us that know him, that we have seen the light of the world in the person of Christ, and we have the light of life in him. You know, to finish, though, there's a responsibility on us to turn to the light. Matthew 4 quotes that verse from Isaiah, when you know, a great light is dawning, and he concludes that on them a light has shone. And then it goes on to say, from that time... Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the light of the world, Christ coming in, is not just a a comfort to us and a matter of interest. It is a command to repent and to follow him. Yes, we have the light of life, and it's wonderful, but we are to follow him wholeheartedly. And if we don't know him, if we're still in darkness, then we are to repent It's not just a matter of interest, it's a command. Repent, for the light of the world has come. A light of life has come. What a wonderful verse as we come to Christmas, that the light is dawning. And the great light has shone for us. We were walking in darkness, but the light of the Lord Jesus Christ has come. He has shone in our hearts. The light of life has come. So in conclusion, Jesus is the only light of life. If we are walking in darkness, you know, either as Christians who dip in our toe back into darkness, or if you're not a Christian, then he is the light of life. There's no light, there's no life in any ideology, anything outside of Christ, or any behavior in the world's corruption. There's only life and goodness and love and truth in Christ. Amen.